everyone welcome to this episode of tf it's the free one that's not milo saying it's the free one (laughs) no in an alarmingly sexual voice it's just me in my normal not alarmingly sexual voice Mm. although i do have a slight cold so like it's a little bit husky and a little bit bassy it's like it's the free one let me try it in my best sexual voice please it's it it's uh it's 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 the free one (laughs) pretty good (laughs) it's the free one yeah, that's right. You've heard it nine or ten times. It is indeed the free one. And Give us your money. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, we usually do that at the end, but you know, there's a Patreon, five dollars a month. No, no, no. Um, let's let's do the show, everybody. We got we got a, a, a classic set of uh, of things. We got news. I found I found the easiest startup to like break down. Um, oh, good. And present, and uh, it's just. It's like someone started the company. Well, they started it to make money, but it feels like they started it for us. Hmm. Perfect. But first, but first, um, I'd like to add another folio uh, to our um, our book. Another another folio to our bookshelf Mm -hmm. of um, uh, Rishi Sunak showing us what a Ron DeSantis presidency and general election campaign would have been like. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting comparison. They are both kind of like. Similarly risless people, you know? <laughs> well, they are. So, this, weirdly uh, insecure. So, there was this, uh, I think this is a perfect example of that. There was this sort of little to do, I mean, the things like, you know, keeping an eye on, um, of no sort of real significance, but sort of just what a window into this sort of degraded life of Sunak as not living as a billionaire, but instead having to be an MP and prime minister. I mean, to be fair, he chose to do this, you know, in, mm. in, in pursuit of being the head of government of the United Kingdom. Not a fun country to be the head of government of, but in pursuit of that power, uh, he he chose to, like, have to live here and not live like a billionaire, but instead live like a senior politician. So, uh, Rishi Sunak has, they, as part of his, like, you know, campaign, he's in campaign mode, um, They the conservatives uh, put up this website where you could basically get a personal video from the prime minister by providing your contact details. So like, uh, you know, Riley Quinn. And Hello, then revealing, Alice. You're so good at turning me on. <laughs> and then revealing whether the NHS, the economy or immigration is your priority. And then, mm. you know, Rishi what will What if my priority is none of those three, you know? I-, I want him in the booth recording a sort of Baldur's Gate 2 level of voice lines. What if it, I mean, I mean, what if, what if like your main issue is the bins and you find that your prime minister, what if your prime minister doesn't care about your bins? I've become one of these people because recently one of my bin lids got stolen or like got taken away. And like, okay. Yeah. We need to triple the Mets funding. And, and all of a sudden I realized number one, I do want the police with the machine guns to come to uh, my pocket of the London suburbs. But also I do want a personalized message from the prime minister saying that he cares about my bins and will tackle the problem. Well, I think that Rishi Sunak is like three unfavorable polls away from being like, I will make whatever video you want. (laughs) I will. (laughs) I will like Rishi Sunak will go, will go on cameo and he will yeah he he will just say whatever you want. Rishi Sunak will ride the bang bus. He'll get into the fake taxi. Please vote for him. Uh, yeah, so basically, so then bang you know, you campaign say, bus. Thank you. Bang battle bus. 
There we go. All right. Sometimes it takes two. But yeah, uh, the Bang Battle Bus is going to drive to every constituency under threat, which is most of them. <laughs> and Rishi Sunak is going to get back shots um, mm. in a way that sort of reassures voters that he cares about their priorities. I've come to I've come to Reading to do the crazy monkey. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm going to ride the Sibian. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the, so what what they did, right, is they had this thing where you could basically get a very limited sort of pr- like like how you know like a like a preschool game might be limited version of a cameo. Oh, they did like a sort of ch- a full motion video, like choose your own adventure, Rishi Sunak thing. Yeah, choose your own Sunak. Yeah. Um, and so the system then shows a video of the prime minister addressing you directly. And so Sunak would have had to put on his quarter zip, sit down in the house in Yorkshire he never goes to, and then say. Hi, Simon. I'm concerned about the NHS too. And then it shows like, you know, things like the Simon Times, right? The NHS solved, you know, Again, completely baffling, just totally toadying. Who, whose vote would have been swayed off of that? What kind of kind, like seal brained imbecile would watch this and be like, that's my name. He said the name that I have. So I should, I should vote for him now. But of course, right? And, and this is sort of where the DeSantis comparison came for me. Is I mean, like, um, this is the other thing too. Is that like the other end of that is if you if you're already commissioning a video from Rishi Sunak, if you're messaging Rishi Sunak, that's like, could I get two photos of you fixing the NHS? One with your panties pulled to the side. <laughs> you're already gonna fucking vote for him because you're like invested in that too much. Unless he's like reaching out and like depositing those videos in like sort of like broader way, then uh, this is just weird fan service. So I think you're meant to put them on social media and be like, wow, the Prime Minister said, to, promised me he's going to fix the NHS. So of course, the, no this, is, this is where the there are the DeSantis comparison comes in, though, which is Guido Fox then signed up as Nigel Farage. So it says the Farage, hi, Nigel, I too think immigration is too high. The Farage times, blah, blah, blah. Right? Very but, funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then it's um, number one. How do you not notice that? But number two, that is just the dynamic of Ron DeSantis of being constantly um, bounced Cucked into and yeah, owned. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because basically, the the whole Tory party has always said to Nigel Farage, "We please join the Tory party. We'd welcome you in the Tory party. For the love of God, we'll do anything you want." And then it's just being pranked by a newsletter, essentially. Right by a sort of right wing blogger. I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of refine the point here a bit because I don't think this is DeSantis so much as this is Jeb Bush shit. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it's I think he's a it's not a perfect comparison, but the reason I talk about the DeSantis thing is that this is someone who is desperate for your support and will do anything on the internet to get it, and mm. who lives on the internet, who responds to everything from the internet, who can be bounced into any like. I think that the whole, the whole Rwanda thing becoming a, um, the, the whole sort of plan, right, to crack down on immigration so much that you're breaking international law, that you're breaking the UK's treaty commitments, to say nothing of the, um, I'd say, uh, sort of human costs imposed of it, just from the perspective of the people who think that those are mm. the most important you're, you're, things, You're right? doing that because you're chasing sort of irrelevances or former irrelevances like Lee Anderson or like any of the other ERG people or just fucking groipers on the internet. You know, and th- I, I think that is the DeSantis thing of being like based Kekistani fourteen eighty eight is going to love me 
and vote for me, and that's going to swing things my way, providing I'm, you know, sort of debase myself enough. Not the issue that I have, but the sort of dis- minor disagreement I have re the DeSantis thing is that it kind of, it feels like with DeSantis, from what, like, and bearing in mind, I didn't pay attention to him for like a while. So this is based on the very little that I know about him. Like DeSantis very much sort of went in on a culture war um, mm, footing yeah. and it may have worked like on a state level, but what he sort of finds out is that like, when you sort of expand it beyond these very kind of minor state related issues, it doesn't quite work. But with Sunak, he, I don't think like the thing with Sunak is that he never really wanted to do that. Like he's sort of taken over the Tory party, which is, I imagine something that he's kind of wanted to do purely for like the reasons of his CV more than anything else. And so he kind of thinks that like, okay, he can sort of get away with the technocratic management, you know, things ticking along just as the way that they are only to like have taken over the Tory party when uh, everything has basically gone to shit and they're going insane. And so he Mm. now has to kind of like capitulate to the most insane people, both in his party and like whatever is left of the people supporting him. Um, And what you can see throughout is that he's just not convinced by any of it. And I feel like if you're going to do, if you're going to do something like that, especially if you're going to do it on like a highly personalized level, you've at least got to like pretend that, you're sort of like, you're convinced by it. No, he just wants to get out of here. He just wants to do the, like, get done with it, be an ex-prime minister, go to California. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's, that's, this is, the, you're right, DeSantis is a much more enthusiastic culture warrior than Sunak. Sunak was bounced, again, hmm. bounced into it, but just the propensity to be bounced into stuff. Uh, by opponents who you're trying to suck up to and also hate you is very amusing. I'm looking forward to when Keir Starmer sort of has to do this for like a much longer period, because at least with like Richie Sunak, like there is sort of like an end game approaching, right? Like mm. he doesn't have to do, he doesn't have to debase himself for that long, but like Keir Starmer's entering this like for the long haul and he's going to really have to sort of kind of capitulate to the worst fucking tendencies of these people. And I'm both horrified but extremely excited for how he's going to handle this let's see what like what ninja weapon he bans next (laughs) for for listeners in the states who might not have seen this um keir starmer has come out on a full-throated ban on ninja swords Mm. ninja swords really the really pressing information my question is how are you going to enforce that how are you going to find them Mm. (laughs) that's right you know they're <laughs> the, 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 sh- the shogun has ordered a, a sword hunt, you know, to to bring an end to the Warring States period, well and truly, and unify the country. Um, and that's going to be fine. It's going to work perfectly. How, how are you going to find the ninjas to arrest? Because most of them are just moving the scenery in the play. They're not actually <laughs> there. <laughs> imagining, imagining Starmer as a kind of like Tokugawa-like figure is very funny, you know? It's <laughs> like he's, he's come out the end of this like three-way factional war you know, and was was lucky enough to stay out of the invasion of Korea, which I guess is Brexit here. Um, and and now his reward is become obsessed with ninja swords. <laughs> I've got thirty Dutch cannon that I'm going to use. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the, the um, look yeah, at this is, but it's. I think it's like it's similar. So Corbin Oda Nobunaga. Then, <laughs> sorry, I'm not. I'm not going to just do this for the rest of the episode, but it Why is not? tempting. Yeah. Why not? Shouldn't have attacked those monasteries. <laughs> no, the uh, but this is again like 
this is someone who is consistently not saying that Starmer has to be bounced into any kind of like cruel or authoritarian position or no, it's instinctive for him. It's instinctive, but which cruel and authoritarian position he does go into is kind of a bounce. Um, that yeah, again, responding to people being less safe in Britain for we all know fucking why, being like, well, we're going to ban more kinds of sword, which we were talking about this earlier, Alice. Really yes. what that has been is an expansion of police power to go into your house and take your kitchen knives if they want to. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing that sends me like properly like civil libertarian is uh, knife law in the UK is absolutely incoherent. And the thing is, right, we have to take this as a kind of failure of every other possible policy. We can't do any of the stuff that we know alleviates crime and alleviates violent crime, like, for instance, alleviating poverty, um, or like anything else good to build social cohesion. Now we can't even do the stuff that we know doesn't work, like more cops or stop and frisk, because that costs money too. So all we can do is give the five cops who are left more powers to like uh, take your nail scissors away. And it just kind of... It's at a point now where we're so focused on whatever kind of like ninja sword zombie knife bullshit instead of mm. any of the material reasons why people are more likely to commit crime that it, it just kind of profoundly depresses me apart from anything else surely like a better approach would be to like train your own sort of like elite samurai unit to take on the ninja swords <laughs> i think t- i think the on. met police should have should hire <laughs> some ronin yes what, what you need to do right clearly is 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 you take the you take the people who are best at doing knife crime you make them cops <laughs> in the anti-knife crime unit because clearly you know you're taking the sort of best swordsman off the street <laughs> and and you sort of bring them inside the imperial fold you know what you've just proposed the formation of you've just proposed the formation of the british shinsengumi mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah let's do it or you just need like one guy who's like modeled on like guts from berserk like the dark sword like the black swordsman and mm. every and like the black swordsman job is to just go around london with his giant sword uh, to take out everyone with like the, zo- the zombie knives, yeah, and he becomes like a legend, right? So it's just like you know, mm. um, you know, it, it's it's not even like the elite, the, the elite Pays unit, for but itself. it's the, yeah. you solve you solve the crimes by like building up the mythology of the black swordsman who roams around Whitechapel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we've solved knife crime, which is pretty good for the first 15 minutes of the episode. Uh, the only way to solve knife crime is with knife law. <laughs> uh, the knife cop. Yeah. The knife cop. This is it. This is it. I'm like half serious. Like, you need to bring honor back into knife, like, into, into knife wielding. And mm. if there is a sense of honor, um, then at the very, you know, you can sort of minimize the sort of, uh, yeah, you can, you can minimize it by turning it into a noble art. Of which, yeah, I mean, like, I, there is like a gentleman's code to I mean, doing. You're, you're not actually right. It's, it's it's like mostly it's just this new phrase that you know everyone's using, but it's not right. It's social cohesion, right? Like there are tons of societies where fucking everyone has knives, where the knife crime rate is significantly lower because people don't want to stab each other because their lives are you know more consistent and coherent and better in that way. You know. We have to embrace mm. Finnish mentality, where the knife crime rate drops precipitously and the suicide rate goes up hugely. You know, mm. you, you can carry a knife around, but you do have to have depression. <laughs> it's, it's it's either that or have a second Ikadaya in incident uh, in Whitechapel. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, I, I want to move on though. 
um, I want to talk about one new friend who's associating with some old friends. So now, a prelude to this. As you know, we do not talk directly about American politics um, unless it is a useful comparator case for something else or people we feel who like we're it. familiar with in other ways are getting directly involved. So mm -hmm. bearing that in mind, having done a little bit of the former, it's now time to do a little bit of the latter because DeSantis out isn't the only um, sort of relevant prim U.S. primary season oh. comparator for us to talk who, who, to. Who do we know in U.S. primaries right now? Well, I mean, so we don't know Dean Phillips yet, but Dean Phillips knows some of our friends. Ah, well, any friend of our friend is, is a friend, <laughs> you know? <laughs> that classic saying, expressed as elegantly as possible. Um, you know, if, if Dean Phillips is willing to draw the sword for the Met Police Shogun, then uh, he is welcome in my... Yeah, uh, D D Dean Phillips is sort of like in, in our like extended clan network now. Yes. You know, he's, he's not one of our retainers, but our retainers know him. So he's sort <laughs> so, of like, he's a bannerman, he's an ally. So our, our retainers, uh, Bill Ackman, Elon Musk, and Jason Kalkanis... Oh, that's a fucking friends. powerful triad of, of samurai right there, you know? <laughs> they, they, are, they are some of some of the greatest mind samurai that we have access to. <laughs> of those, how many do you think own a katana for real, and why is the answer 100%? <laughs> it's, it's 100%. I think Bill Ackman is the most recent katana purchaser. True. Elon Musk has been on that katana shit for a long time. Yeah. Um, Jason Kalkana says he has a katana, but he's actually never bought one. Uh, so, no, so um, Dean Phillips is uh, a, a Democratic senator who is primarying Biden, um, who just got 20% in the New Hampshire. Question and, mark? And he is filling what you might call the Yang hole in the Democratic <laughs> I don't want to fill the Yang hole. <laughs> so, he so, is, from, so, so, so from the right, then? Well, in, well he's finally going to be a fiscally responsible Democrat. And oh. he's going, but instead of being an outsider who's going to bring Silicon Valley in, um, he is an insider who's going to bring Silicon Valley in from outside. Um, so Steve Schmidt from the Lincoln Project is managing his campaign. Oh, fantastic. I look forward to this being as impactful and meaningful as Lincoln Project 1.0 was. What do you even call the Lincoln the Lincoln Project done on the Democratic Party? Like the Van Buren Project? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is so Phillips basically is running as a Democrat who's finally going to be technically minded, business focused, and fiscally responsible. Oh, the Jackson Project. Someone had to do it, mm. and so he, like all successful political candidates, launched his campaign on a Twitter space or an X space. The kiss cool. of death. I mean, this is what did for DeSantis as well, you know? <laughs> he, where he was interviewed by Elon Musk, Bill Ackman, and Jason Kalkanis about things like, what would he do in his first 100 days? Yeah, how are you going to expel the foreign barbarians from the island of Dojima? Yeah, well, or uh, specifically, how are you going to expel the DEI barbarians? Because he's running as the anti-DEI candidate. No one knows or cares what that is. This was DeSantis's thing as well, as to like try and appeal to people who... Uh, you know, uh, trying to push like DEI or ESG or some shit like that that no one cares about. And then, meanwhile, you see any of the Vox Pops from people going to a Trump rally and he's like, yeah, he makes me feel good, so I'm voting for him. I think the economy was better and I, can't, <laughs> I, I will not be proved wrong about that because it feels like it was better. Well, when, when Phillips is, of course, president, 
uh, then Bill Ackman, Elon Musk, and Jason Kalkanis have all been tapped for major uh, roles. Yeah, when, when this guy is president, all of Bill Ackman's critics are going to be extrajudicially assassinated by SEAL Team 6. Business Insider is going to get fucking hit with a JDAM. <laughs> it's, yeah. <laughs> Nary Oxman's going to get to throw the lever on the electric chair in a gigantic marble run. I also love the idea of just making Musk the head of State Department and then just nuclear war immediately. Like, right away. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he was mm. too annoying. Looking into this... Yeah, trying to imagine what the funniest cabinet position to put Elon Musk in. It's probably HUD, you know? <laughs> tubes everywhere. No, no, we got, uh, we've actually gotten like a celebrity shot. We've brought in Mohammed bin Salman to be HUD secretary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love to, I love to sort of uh, live in my Section 8 housing that has a, a you know, an upscale dining district. <laughs> so anyway, these, but these guys, these three are deeply influencing his campaign and like other Silicon Valley people, like uh, they've all given millions to his super PAC. It's cool how this is just like a sort of like overflow vent for money. Yes. running for president is that you can just <laughs> yeah. kind of burn i mean desantis too desantis spent like you know thousands of dollars per vote and spent like you know he spent more than his net worth on private jets even <laughs> that's so cool hey you know what he finally got high up um so he said after new hampshire uh, i've built businesses and brands and studied the best successes in marketing history and i've never known one that generated 20 percent market share in just 10 weeks as we did last evening in new hampshire he then said, I will build the most extraordinarily bipartisan cabinet in American history. But Biden, Biden wasn't on the ballots. Like, this was a thing due to some, like, procedural ratfuckery with the Democratic Party that you had to write in Biden because he wasn't running because the party had, like, sort of boycotted the primary. So I, th th this is like saying, like, no business ever builds sort of, like, th this amount of vote share and not mentioning the fact that your competitor... Uh, has been like sort of legally barred from opening its stores or putting signs on them. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> wow, my small business has really taken off ever since the Walmarts all burned down. <laughs> so Philip said that he would use zero-based budgeting and hire an international consulting firm to conduct a top-down assessment of the federal government day one. I consider all zero. Uh, I consider all budgeting to be zero-based. Very cringe. Do you do you do you you both know what zero-based budgeting is? I don't, but I can lie I and say that I do. Know. Okay, so zero-based budgeting, it's so stupid. It's a thing that lots of companies did before money was free, and they stopped doing once money was free. But it's basically an exercise where you go through everything your company spends, like on pens or travel or whatever. Yeah. And then you establish what you've spent in every category. And then you rebudget less on candles. You know? <laughs> yes, yes, it is the spend less on candles like business thing. Spend less on Casey DeSantis's private jets. So, so is it just like a formalization of that, um, of that like help my family is dying meme? Uh, yes, exactly. So, like, but any company, <laughs> any company that ever goes through a zero based budgeting exercise loses a huge number of staff because they're like, yeah, you have to buy your own stationery now here at fucking Pfizer, basically. <laughs> that's like that's the outcome so he's like yeah we're gonna crack down on the pen budget at the federal government <laughs> i mean to be fair the federal government does spend a huge amount of money on uh trivial bullshit but that's because it's a huge bureaucracy and huge bureaucracies need to do that in order to function like this this is like a recurring sort of bugbear for me is that anytime conservatives talk about government waste it's like 
often there is huge waste, but as often as not, it's st just stuff that is like a requirement of perpetuating bureaucracy that seems wasteful. All those guys need the fucking Skillcraft pens, which, by the way, the federal government gets a deal on. I have a whole thing about federal about Fed pens. It's um because autism. I really want some. If if you work in the federal government, defraud your employer. Send me a box of Skillcraft pens because I really want some. And you can't buy them. <laughs> Uh, Phillips basically has a kind of uh, grab bag of um, a grab bag of policies. Yeah, we're going to uh, run the government like a business, which well, indeed has never been tried before or since. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I wanted to focus. And basically, like what we saw the last time there's an American primary is that everyone said they were all for Medicare for all, and then as soon as like they got closer to winning, they were like, "No, I never said that." Uh, so, you know, we'll, we can um, we can we can sort of gloss over that uh his solution to ending the housing and homelessness crisis because he is funded by people like ackman and musk mm. is we must incentivize the building of more housing he is a yimby okay cool i mean i'd never thought about that building more housing sounds cool um how does he want to do that uh oh uh, well he certainly doesn't want i mean obviously nothing that's going to work right no oh, not of public. course yeah 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 uh, he wants to work with the private sector to build 7 million new homes. Great. Uh, I'll tell you that. And also, um, that apparently it's all about zoning. He needs to upzone. It's his purely Yimby, right? It is purely sure. basic Twitter Yimby shit, right? Um, but what I think is the most, uh, the most fun one is uh, that he wants to... Uh, he's, he's a big AI guy. Um, of course he fucking but, is. But also, the other... But before we go to the AI, though... Uh, I want to talk about is his platform included diversity, equity, inclusion, and inclusion. Um, however, it no longer does <laughs> because. Wait, what, what? What do you mean when you say that his platform included it? Was he woke, and then Bill Ackman made him stop being woke? So this is from Axios. This is Democratic presidential candidate Dean Phillips removed a reference to promoting diversity, equity, inclusion on his website after one of his top financial backers, a leading DEI opponent. Uh, prodded him publicly on the subject. In recent days, users on X, formerly Twitter, alerted Bill Ackman on the inclusion of DEI language as part of the platform section of Phillips' campaign site. Weird little snitches. <sighs> like, he's, he's, he's just copied and pasted the likes of corporate, like, the modern slavery statement, effectively. The, like, thing that you have to put in your website if you're a corporate entity that's like, yeah, we're going to do some woke shit, whatever. Um, <laughs> which is a locus of ideology. Right, Bill Ackman is not wrong about that being an ideological thing. It's just that Bill Ackman's response to it is to, I guess, completely fly off the handle and be like, "No, you must update this boilerplate statement so that you don't do any woke shit whatsoever." So on Sunday, Ackman replied that he believed Dean Dean Phillips quote didn't understand what DEI was when he made it part of his website. I made the same mistake before. Oh, he's learning and growing, you know. <laughs> well, no, he said. He then said minutes later he posted saying Phillips was now getting educated as we speak. Let's look. Oh my hear what god, he has that's so fucked. that's so funny. They're doing. They're like so close to basically doing like Instagram apology slides. Yeah. Do you, do you think that's right when people who are like, it's not my job to educate you about the, like, uh, you know, Zionist <laughs> occupation government, whatever their crank theory is? Um, or is it like a right wing, uh, like, safety pin box? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, I actually um, don't want to do the emotional labor of explaining the protocols to you. <laughs> so, this is, um, uh, and then on Tuesday morning, um, 
Ackman said that, yeah, he didn't understand uh, DEI until recently, and he expected this statement will be revised promptly. On Tuesday, the language had been changed to equity and restorative justice. Wait, but that's worse. That's more woke, surely. Yeah. Well, because it's the belief the, the belief here, right, isn't about the individual semantic content of diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's the belief that capital D, capital E, capital I, diversity, equity, and inclusion is not just an HR bit of boilerplate. It's actually a like sort of critical theory conspiracy oh. that's designed to sap our martial oh. spirit. You're start you're you're like when you say DEI specifically, you are casting a spell yes. taught to you by the majors at the Frankfurt School. Correct, yes. Gotcha. Yeah. And the same with ESG and stuff, I assume. Mm. So, of course, obviously, yet yet another president uh, uh, of politician who is unable to stop being bounced into things by the internet. Mm. I mean, at least you've got uh, Robert F. Kennedy, who is just personally getting bounced into things by the internet. <laughs> like, not even donors, just like shit that he... Like sees from based Kekistani Groper fourteen eighty eight or whatever. Um, oh, that guy Sunak's going after. <laughs> yeah, exactly. everyone wants him. He's kind of the new cat turd too, in many ways. Cat <laughs> so, turd three. Uh, so this, is, but the the funniest thing on on Phillips before we sort of leave him for a time um, is that he had this policy on on AI, but it was not clear. He doesn't elaborate on sort of what he thinks he wants to do. Sure. But there's a little bit of a hint. That came in one of the things he did to it, to campaign, which was he he created via OpenAI. So like a startup built something for him on top of the OpenAI interface, um, a startup called Delphi, um, and was contracted to build something called <laughs> the Dean Bot. <laughs> say, say again, <laughs> the Dean Bot. You know when you automate the Dean. Um, and- uh, I I think I saw that episode of Community. Yeah. So OpenAI basically, um, so he created a uh, a chatbot of himself that voters could talk to in real time via a website. That's just a more pathetic version of the thing that Sunak was doing. Yeah, it's it's I I want to be elected, but I don't want to interact directly with any of you filthy people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, the hilarious thing is that ChatGPT doesn't allow political campaigning. Like doesn't allow the use of their program for political or open AI doesn't allow the use of ChatGPT for political campaigning. So it's mm. gotten taken down. So the <sighs> Dean bot has it. it they killed in, the Dean bot. Yeah, they killed. It was the like Hitchbot. They found it by the side of the road. You know, Sam Altman like beat its legs off with a baseball bat. It's gone. So, but they said <laughs> right. They said we envision a world. This is on the Dean bot website, which now says apologize. Apologies, Dean bot is away <laughs> campaigning right now. It's like, no, it's been killed. They killed the fucking Dean bot. <laughs> First assassination of the presidential candidate of this this campaign. <laughs> they got the Dean bot with the doohickey. Uh, yeah. so it says, but it says on the website, we envision a world in the next five years where anyone will be able to use AI to speak directly to the president at any time, and the president can learn from the aggregated feedback of those conversations. President Eden Fallout 3 real. Cool. Okay. Fantastic. It's just going to be a big computer. I mean, <laughs> listen, I'm not against that kind of direct democracy consensus bullshit. Um, we, we, we could do that. I'm not sure why there needs to be a vestigial human dean. In the White House, if it's just going to be the computer, yeah. Let's just well, maybe like Dean is the human face of ChatGPT. I don't need that to be a face <laughs> for. I don't. I don't think that the computer needs a Metatron in that way. Like, if you want to send something out to like you know um, 
sort of shake hands or like sign the letters to like the uh, families of troops who have gotten killed after we invaded somewhere just get asimo to do it you know <laughs> president yeah. asimo this is yeah. this is my contention yeah per- D- dean phillips you're gonna lose to asimo on the right ends uh but you know what the if the- you were voting in a democratic primary write in either ceasefire or asimo yeah um <laughs> So that's the this is that's Dean and his fabulous band of merry men and his loyal retainers. Excuse me. Mm. Um, I, I expect to see much more of him in future. Uh, however, yeah, we have our protagonist for uh, for indecision twenty twenty four. All right, so I want to do a quick startup and then we're going to read an article. Startup. It's called Skilla. S C Y double Okay. I mean. So, so we're in the realm of like education and training, surely. No, but it does. It is often used in schools. No, it's a Skilla, the legendary monster. Um, in uh, oh, like like Skilla, and, like Scylla and Charybdis. Yes, that's right. Well, Scylla, yes, Scylla. Gotcha. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I don't mean to like humiliate you no. on a classics beef. <laughs> that's fine. It's a it's a it's a name I more, I more frequently read than say. Mm. Uh, so. This is uh, this is who we're talking about. It is named after the legendary sea monster, and I can tell you actually that uh, their values are um, discipline, teamwork, and uh, what's the what's the third value? Um, uh, uh, being yourself and having fun with it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I had it up in front of me. Um, this should help though. Uh, collaboration, discipline, collaboration, and teamwork. So and I mean, it's called. That's kind of like quite dystopian, near future sort of governing ideology, right? Like, I, w- I feel like I want to see that projected like 200 feet tall on the side of a skyscraper. Hmm. Well, um, I can also tell you um, that they're laser focused to use advanced AI powered video analytics to protect human life. Oh, uh, boy. I mean, so it, it's going to do. You said in schools. It's the AI that watches CCTV footage to see if there is a fight happening. Correct. Yes, that's Incredible. exactly what it is. I, I, I sh- sure. Yeah. Fuck it. Why not? We've we've got, already got the vape detector. We're now going to get the like uh, pushing and shoving detector. Uh, so I I sent a um I sent a uh, an image uh, to our group chat earlier. Anomaly detection and behavior recognition. Hussein, can you please describe to me what's in that image? Um, <laughs> uh, it is so the the image that you sent uh, seem it, it, it describe itself as a identify high impact anomalous events as they occur, and the picture is of a guy who is trying to fight three other guys, and there is a red square where part of the guy's head, like the guy. We'll call him Guy A, the one who's fighting the other, you know, it, it, it looks like a scene from like the Power Rangers when they're sort of fighting the pussies. Yeah, you, what, what they've done is they've drawn a red box around a guy who is throwing a like really high kick. So it, what it kind of suggests to me is that the AI is going to detect if you are like moving on some John Wick shit. Yeah. Uh, except like no one's really hitting each other. I mean, like on the left hand side, there's like one of his opponents where he's got his fist like a bit too high up to really do anything. It's 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 very strange. It does sort of remind me a lot of like it does remind me a lot of like pa- like old Power Rangers where you could see that they weren't actually really hitting anyone, so their kicks were like not landing anywhere close. 
It, yeah, it, it looks like a, it looks like a bit kayfabe. But well, I mean, if 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 that happens in your school, yeah. then this thing will alert the school cops. You know? Yeah, I mean this. I mean, what what is is the premonition that like it will do something if it detects that one person is trying to take on three guys? Like, <laughs> I just, I just, I just like the idea of the new conservative like hysteria being that kids mm. in schools were identifying as Power Rangers. Well, <laughs> it's that we need a John Wick detector in the schools. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they say the re- leading real time physical threat detection solutions. They're not just for schools; they're for anything. Right, they just have a. You school. could do. I mean, you could be John Wick anywhere. You could be a, in the museum, the Citizen, library. You have been disc- identified yeah, as doing sick John Wick moves. <laughs> so, say, and, but the thing is, right? If you do that in Britain, right? You you buy all of this software wholesale from, I presume, the US, which means it comes with a cool American voice. So it will be like Citizen, stop that, and then. It, because you're in Britain, it will have to be like, please wait 60 to 90 minutes for a PCSO to show up. <laughs> so, uh, but it, it it does, it's for alerting private security, right, mostly. Oh, it's for, of course it fucking is. We can't do anything publicly anymore. Law enforcement can use it. It's one of these things where it's just an AI system. Whoever wants to buy it, whoever wants to get alerted, they'll put it together for you. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty standard. So... They process so they so they have a video stream on any camera. They process the video stream to uh, to develop meaningful insights about activity and objects, and their algorithm, uh, Charon, uh, the ferryman who crosses you over the river Styx. Sake, um, I think I think we need to do something about people who know about classics, and I I realize that includes myself, but I'm willing to take one for the team. You know, <laughs> so they verify suspicious content in real time through the smart decision making algorithm Charon. Information on the object, activity, or identity is retrieved and forwarded to the alerting protocols. So if you're a school, it might be like in the US, because this is where this is mostly marketed, it would be the like school cops. You know, if you're um, a private company and you have like a watch list of employees that you think might be like, you know, doing something that you don't like, then mm. if they meet together, you'll get a, a ping. Uh, security will get a ping. So it's it, it's a very broad use cases if it works, which is always doubtful. Sure. Um, so... So, uh, testimonials come from um, James McJunkin, who's the VP. Sorry, come on. (laughs) James McJunkin, uh, Uh the former former VP of security for the Chicago Cubs baseball club. (laughs) Again, going to Chicago and seeing that, like, yeah, perfectly matched name, job, and location, you know? As well as Gary Slater, the CEO of the Iowa State Fair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, shit has not popped off John Wickstart at the Iowa State Fair, and as far as I'm aware, ever, right? No one's been doing, like, sort of, like, dives through the air that, you know, uh, shooting people in the head next to the butter cow. Well, not yet. Well, and, and this is the thing, the price, the watchword of liberty is eternal vigilance. Um, <laughs> so... They say, we are living in times of social unrest, which compels law enforcement professionals to risk their lives in order to protect the life and property of millions of citizens. Yeah, I mean, every every cop at the Iowa State Fair is taking their life in their fucking hands. Uh, (laughs) From monitoring protests to nabbing, apprehending those committing crimes. Oh, little little typo there. Silla, maybe your AI should have... uh, Couldn't decide which one of those was in the right register, I guess, you know? There is so much that these agencies must do, and with so much to be done, these agencies should examine the choice between recruiting more officers or deploying AI and machine learning technologies to decrease crime. Yeah, great. Automate the panopticon, sure. Been here a thousand times before. But the uh, the school, I think, is an interesting um, 
an, an interesting use case because they're not just monitoring now for uh, vaping or for people gathering. Uh, they say, due to the large number of students in each school, it would be unrealistic to expect only a handful of security guards to monitor each one of them. Yes, yeah, so I, I mean, I think that kind of illustrates to me the futility of trying to do this shit in the first place, you know? Maybe, maybe not every child in school needs constant 24-7 oversight. Maybe that's bad for them. Maybe one of the reasons why we invented schools is that it would be a safer environment where you wouldn't need to like watch a child constantly to see if they were engaging in like unsafe or unwanted or dangerous behaviors or, or check this out what if instead of having a handful of security guards to monitor each one of them each child gets a retainer oh boy okay yeah <laughs> that's sure that's not what they're proposing but you know let's let's you know each child is his own daimyo and he gets a samurai and he or she gets a samurai to protect them i <laughs> think that there have probably been multiple animes made with this premise. <laughs> so, um, stationary security cameras do not make this any easier because their digital video recording only gathers information and stores it for later use. Yeah, my samurai could beat up your samurai. <laughs> Therefore, the need of the hour is security infrastructure capable of mitigating a wide variety of risks such as school shootings. And this can be made possible- It's not going to mitigate shit, dude. Like, if someone's starting a school shooting, then, like, you get a pretty good indication of that because the people are getting shot. Like, the problem is not people not knowing to call the cops in that situation. The problem is the cops showing up and being on their phones outside for an hour and a half. Well, they say that they can use AI to detect guns unless the gun is concealed. Great, perfect. No one's <laughs> so, ever concealed a gun. They um, say. And if you're not concealing a gun going into a school, then as as I say, Things are probably about to escalate to a point that someone is, like, a human is going to call the cops anyway. They say, to be able to detect a firearm, we require a minimum of 30 pixels per feet. So long as this resolution is met for the maximum distance to the subject for our camera, our algorithm to detect firearms at virtually any angle, so long as the firearm is not concealed. Okay, sure. Which is great, because it's like, well, I guess if the firearm is concealed, we just have to, like, monitor the vibes, like, see if they're doing high kicks or John Wick shit. And yeah. then we can say, check this guy's bag for a firearm. Yeah, we've, we've <laughs> detected that this child is about to pay for something using a gold pirate coin, so I think that's probably a good indication that he's got a Kimber Warrior in the backpack. <laughs> so, they say... Uh, we use f f cameras to detect visible firearms and trigger a response, such as issuing text alerts to security staff or emergency personnel, sounding audible doors, locking down doors, or even connecting with an existing system. I love that. The lockdown doors, they, they, can, they can do like the geofront locking down animation if someone comes in with a gun. Yeah. Um, we also say that they can monitor for people from watch lists, identify aggressive behavior. Again, I wonder how they're going to determine whether behavior is aggressive. I don't know. Uh, mm. Probably nothing sinister. Yeah. Oh, heavens no. And of course, they can, they, they can, I love this. This is my favorite sentence. Scylla works as a piece of software that detects, identifies, and reports directly to law enforcement every time a gun is drawn in a school. As though, again, no one else is going to do that. You won't just call them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, also, don't a ton of American schools already have metal detectors and shit in the first place? Like, unless, unless your kid is bringing in the fucking Die Hard 2, you know, Glock 9 porcelain gun from Germany that doesn't uh, set off me your airport metal detectors. Like, what the fuck? It, uh, this is just, it, it just seems like such a nonsense to me. Well, you're right, it is. 
Right, it, it is a nonsense. It's, it's just like harvesting school budgets for the uh, for the ability to like surveil kids slightly more. Yes, that is quite literally what it is doing. Mm. Um, they even say, "Yes, Scylla seems very expensive, but can you really put a price on safety? Plus, you how, can save how money." How expensive is it? Um, well, they don't say on their website. You probably it's probably one of uh, these things where it's like if you have to ask, you can't yeah. afford it. Yeah, but it's, it's that's how a lot of, of stuff is priced up now. Uh, it's just like. Oh yeah, it's it costs something. Um, anyway, anyway, just shall we shall we end on um, a little article I'm calling the Hasbara Factory. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So I don't know if you uh, I don't know if you've sort of heard of this, but Israel has. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've heard I've heard of Israel. Yeah, heard of this Israel stuff. Um, Israel with the big air quotes. It's like no. no. Uh, so this is this is from um, the, the paper Haaretz, which cites like numerous sources with knowledge of the matter. Um, and the article opens: Israel has responded to its clear loss to Hamas on the digital battlefield by making its first ever purchase of a technological system capable of conducting mass online influence campaigns, according to numerous sources with knowledge of the matter. Listen. <sighs> You know who's conducting a mass online influence campaign is unintentionally the IDF soldiers who can't stop filming themselves committing war crimes. And the reason why they can't stop committing war crimes and filming it isn't just because the IDF is a kind of like undisciplined colonial police force that's been let wildly off the leash. It's because Israeli society in general, to a sort of vast majority, not only approves of the war crimes and the genocide, but thinks that they should go further, uh, thinks that like the woke Americans are the only things holding them back, and thinks that more of them should happen. Um, that's the kind of like thing underlying all of the technology and all of the like cyber war public relations psyop shit happening here, is that like Ultimately, the the facts on the ground are that Israel is committing a genocide, and the majority of the Israeli population like it and want it to be worse. Mm. And this is we talked about this before, right? This is of a familiar pattern to us, which is trying to solve what is essentially a political problem using technology and not acknowledging. It's like what the fuck? We're getting owned on our posts, <laughs> and the, you know the reason why we're getting owned on our posts is because like of the. Al Qasim cyber brigades instead of the fact that people can go on their phones and see a video of like three grinning dipshits detonating an entire apartment block. Well, this is this this is also like another part of it too. Like they they like they just can't get. I don't know whether there's been an effort to try get them to stop posting. I don't think so. But the fact is that like they just keep posting the worst and most heinous shit. And like someone made a point. I can't remember who it was, but like they made a quite a good point, which is like a lot of these posts. Are sort of like not really designed for us. They are designed for like other people in like mostly Israelis, right? And yeah, so yeah, sure. when they sort of like break the brick when they break the barrier, because to bear in mind, like a lot of the sort of like Israel PR has rested on the basis that, or like one one of the sort of like strengths behind it has been like you know they're much more like the West than other Middle Eastern countries. Um, something that you can obviously like unpack, like you can unpack that. Uh, yeah. in whatever way you want, but like that has been one of the driving forces of like the Israeli PR campaign. Um, so once that sort of permeates and you have, you know, a good amount of Westerners being like, oh, hey, that's sort of fucked up that like you dress up in like a dinosaur costume and fire missiles into uh, into a place where like children are starving. Um, and then like the only response you can get from that 
is this like, oh no, it, this must all be convoluted. This must all be sort of like, you know, actually like it is a social media war against, you know, uh, kids in Qatar or whatever. Um, and it's just, it, and it's sort of been interesting just to sort of see how they've tried to rationalize. I think Alice, as you mentioned, just the fact that like, there are many sort of like young dipshits in the IDF, uh, who just cannot stop posting. Well, so the, the article, the article goes on. And I mean, I think much of what you're saying, Hussein, is going to get borne out by what's discussed here. It says the system can, among other things, automatically create content tailored to specific audiences purchased as a wider part, a wider attempt by Israeli bodies, civilian and military to address what sources termed as, quote, Israel's public diplomacy failure following October 7th. Again, there's no diplomacy that can cover for this shit. Like, it just doesn't exist. It isn't possible. It certainly isn't possible anymore, right? Like, this is a, th- a, a drum that I keep banging, right? Is that, like, um, I, I said this last time as well, that, like, the war crimes aren't necessarily any worse than war crimes in the past, but, like, the video footage is so ubiquitous and irrefutable. Mm-hmm. And they're being committed so gleefully. Yeah, exactly. Like, back in the day, you used to be able to do all of the same shit, maybe you would film it and, like, distribute those films to, like, a select audience of your friends, or whatever, or people you knew could be politically reliable, and then your country or your group's diplomats could get up and lie through their teeth and say, no, that isn't happening, Uh, and everyone is being hysterical about it because they hate us. And now you try that same shit, and the sort of, like, obvious insincerity of it just is, is, like, so clear as to make it useless. And and the, the idea then that like you can counter this just with more posting is yeah like you're gonna yeah. see like uh, you know a, a kid with like all four of their limbs blown off and then some promoted account is gonna be like did you know that the occupied Galan Heights has an excellent winery and you'll be like sick this cancels out perfectly I mm. love a like nice dry white did you <laughs> did you know that um, that Waze was invented to um, actually uh, uh, get uh, Judean rebels out from Roman encampments. <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you want a soda stream? <laughs> so, according to eight different sources active in the worlds of intelligence, technology, influence, and public diplomacy, Israel was described as ill-equipped for the social media war that erupted on, on Black Saturday. This resulted in a, quote, credibility crisis that has, from their perspective, hindered the IDF's ability to act against Hamas on the actual battlefield. Well, I mean, not really. They're still doing all the shit that they want to do. Like, the fact that it's embarrassing, it's not like the Americans are stopping them, and they're the only people who plausibly can. But but people aren't cheering for them when they post their TikToks. The, most, the biggest fucking victim complex in the world, I swear to God. Like, it, literally, you could just do that. You are doing this. Um, like, you're fucking blowing up entire neighborhoods because you feel like it. Um, and then you're mad because on social media, the people who you already hate and have contempt for are expressing kind of like the minimum amount of hesitation to be like, this seems kind of fucked up, you know, because you want that prestige and you want that idea of Westernity or whatever. But also it's the, um, you know, it's the, because you are, you exist in the victim complex, right? And you Mm -hmm. have the whole time, it's been your whole way of being for decades, you know, it's that you're not able to square that that doesn't match up with what you've been doing. Yeah. Right. And, and the, so the idea that you're going to be able to buy some poorly defined suite of auto posting tools, basically like tweet deck, you know, like a private tweet deck to yeah. sort of somehow solve that is, you know, it, it, it would be laughable if it weren't sort of so tragic at the same time. 
all I sort of wanted to add to that, it, and it does, this sort of seems to be contradictory as well. Uh, in terms of like what the content strategy is, because like the issue and correct me if I'm wrong here, but the, like one of the issues I've sort of pointed out to them is that is like an issue to do with exposure. Like their sort of argument, um, the very bad faith argument, their argument, like working on their logic is that too many people are sort of seeing, um, posts that they sort of classify as like pro Palestine. And these are like, you know, posts that are really, just really amount to like, this is sort of fucked up that so many children are dying or like, or are dead and like everything is basically rubble. Um, so this proposed solution to that is to sort of try and ramp up the amount of pro Israeli tweets and like propaganda because they think that like, if more people are exposed to that, then that will sort of benefit them. But at the same time, like a lot of how this war is kind of, especially like in Israel, that the war is being sold as far as I'm aware is through these kind of camp through demonstrating like the power of the IDF. Right. Mm, and yeah. that sort of feels where the contradiction is not just in terms of like, so I think the social media component of it is really just one lens to look at it, but like on a political level where there seems to sort of be a struggle to sort of triangulate the attempt abroad to sort of present Israel as being like the sort of victims in this, the sort of, um, you know, the underdogs in this, uh, while at the same time also needing to prove that like, no, we are like this mighty like military force and we can sort of take out anyone. Like, and it feels like that contradiction is something that they are struggling to resolve, especially considering that like in sort of speaking about like politics in Israel, there is very much this type, there is very much this push to like, no, we have to sort of continue the war. We have to sort of continue sort of like bombing and destroying people. And I, I don't know how, like how they are sort of trying to un, like conceptualize this. Well, I think it's the, um, Hey, wait a minute. Um, the other, other observers of this haven't realized that our enemy is both pathetically weak and terrifyingly strong at the same time. Yeah. We have to post more until they agree. Um, they say, this is supposed to counter the well-oiled hate machine systematically pushing out anti-Israel disinformation, misinformation, as well as blatantly anti-Semitic context, uh, content, excuse me. And they say the way to influence key events... For like, okay, fine. Like, for every anti-Semitic post, like whether that's sort of done cryptically or openly, there are a hundred things that are just flatly documenting things that the IDF is doing, often at their own hands, often posted by them. Mm. So the uh, the the examples that they give, they give a few examples, such as the Al Ahly Hospital. Um, but what I want to say, give it's highlight. Yeah, very weird that all of the OSINT guys went completely silent about this entire conflict after that. By the way, so the October twenty seventh battle over Al Shiva Hospital, while Hamas floods social media with raw and graphic footage, the IDF responds with three D models and highly designed infographics of terror infrastructure. Yeah, they were of ridiculous. The fucking Hamas conference room, the red barrel room, the like tunnel network of nothing. Yeah, but that that's the thing. It's like, hey, they they posted a bunch of 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 footage, and we did a drawing, and nobody cared. Yeah. <laughs> we need an AI machine to fix this. Yeah, it's like, again, there is no technology that can make these claims plausible, right? Like, now that they've searched and, in many cases, destroyed, as far as I'm aware, damn near every hospital in Gaza, and still haven't found the kind of, uh, the bamboo pentagon, right? Like, the, the Hamas conference room, the red barrel room, Yaya Sinwa's office, um... And presumably they didn't stop looking and haven't found them. It just th there's no way of putting that sort of toothpaste back in the tube. There's no way of making it not be ridiculous. 
Well, and they so they they also talk about like the Bin Laden letter on November sixteenth, which again was like a small number of TikToks that journalists saw and then decided to start panicking about. I don't even know what this one is. I remember the um when Obama, Osama bin Laden's letter to America went viral, quote unquote viral oh, on November sixteenth. Yeah, that yeah. that is cited some TikTok nonsense that some that columnists got very head up about is cited as like well we as this part of this like network of things we have to counter because all opposition to us must come from the same dark cloud, the same people who were tricked into not believing our helpful infographics. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you want to stop people from like sympathizing with Hamas or joining Hamas, I think maybe the more proximate option there is to not kill so many of their relatives, you know? Well, um, they say they've decided to purchase an existing technology instead of risking developing one independently. And it's like, well, hang on. I thought you guys were supposed to be like, that was like one of the things that you say, right? Is that well? We well, yeah, apps. this is the thing. It's like Israel is the like startup nation that does all the surveillance technology and security technology and like influence uh, forming and like psyop stuff. And yeah, it turns out all of that shit the bed. So yeah. uh, we we bought whatever this is off the shelf. What did they buy off the shelf, uh, by it, the way? It's not clear. Oh, okay. So the, the, they just bought like something off of like American presidential campaigns. They bought like they got Hillary's old fucking license for like opinion maker with like no vowels in it. This is a number of civilian tools and programs developed for business and political campaigns were procured. So they got a bunch: a system for mapping online audiences, a system capable of automatically creating websites, as well as content tailored to specific audiences, a system for monitoring social media and messaging platforms, and others. So yeah, they basically got like um, like clout tracker. Yeah, we we found out how many people were posting the word Hamas versus posting the word Sahal, and we're sort of counting likes on those. And it turns <laughs> out we're getting our shit kicked in. Uh, this is a new front of the cyber war. Well, those cam well the well previous campaigns because like Haaretz is sort of a you know Israel's like centrist newspaper. Say so, well mm. those cam well previous campaigns. Um, uh, such as groups of Israelis selling di disinformation election interference services to private clients, parts of which also included the use of never-before-seen software for online influence campaigns. Sources stress that this is not the case with Israel now, because while those campaigns were political, acting in bad faith and use fake information to deceive people, the goal here is the opposite, to amplify real information in the face of disinformation enjoying inauthentic support. Uh-huh, sure. We're, we're, gonna, we're gonna get real information like um, this sort of little baggie of three bullets they found in the back of a functioning MRI scanner. That's, that's news that you can use, you know? You take that to the bank. The first campaign created by the system is already running online, which is not in fact in Hebrew and doesn't focus on the war at all, but instead on anti-Semitism and countering anti-Zionist narratives. For the first time ever. This is the Hasbara factory. Um, it seems to me again as this, yeah, we're... We, we have a political problem to which we are applying applying a technical solution that only serves to underscore the ludicrousness, um, uh, cruelty, and uh, uh, sort of nonsense of the political problem itself. Uh, mm. Any case, I think that's probably about all we have time for today. So, I want to uh, thank our reduced crew today. Of um, hey, you're you're, you're most welcome. I literally get paid to be here. <laughs> I had I've got to. Also... I've, I've got to like go to my shift uh, working in the uh, working in the IDF click farm. Uh, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna like call some. We're gonna call some uh, some some pro Palestinian uh, groups. We're gonna call them fams and uh, 
Yeah, mm, that, it'll be. Yeah, uh, d- 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 the thing about Hamas is that they look like a. Uh, uh, d- 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 the thing is, obviously, Hussein, you and I, we both joined the IDF uh, together a month ago, and as major generals now, um, with our sort of like <laughs> long time in service, <laughs> we've we've got to go and command this like um, sort of Hasbara factory. We're in we're in the posters corps. Yeah, it's an important job. We're like preparing. We're preparing Taylor Swift reaction gifts. <laughs> Bestie, Hamas is not a slave. <laughs> yeah, but, you, but you, what if your jobs get automated? They'll have you busted down to Colonel. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Um, I think that says all we have time for. So uh, I also want to thank the audience. And not to forget, there is a Patreon. Well, those, guys, those, don't give, those guys don't even get paid to be here. You know? <laughs> well... There's uh, $5 a month, you can get a second episode every week. For $10 a month also, uh, which I'm bringing up because there's going to be a very special Left on Red coming to the $10 tier. That's right. We are doing Blindsight again. Yeah, you finally dragooned me into doing it. I will also say, your Patreon tier does reflect the rank that you will be given. Uh, so if you want to get, get commissioned as a Major General, get in at that $10 tier. Yeah, if, you're fi- if you start at the $5 tier, you only can start as a normal Major. Yeah. <laughs> Your promotion will come after like one month. Uh, one month or two, two weeks for good behavior. <laughs> um, so uh, all of that being the case, uh, yeah, I think that's it. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.